This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Today I want to keep talking about breakthrough, and we want to continue to help you to understand how breakthrough comes. Breakthrough is not just something passively that's going to happen. Just because you say it, just because you declare it with your mouth, doesn't mean that breakthrough will come, because it's not just something passive, there is something active that you and I have to do. Let me remind you of our definition. The definition of breakthrough that we looked at a a few weeks ago, and uh, just want to bring us back to that for a moment. If you uh, remember, we said, first of all, breakthrough is an offensive, say offensive, thrust that penetrates. It's something that penetrates. There's a thrust that carries beyond a defensive line in warfare. You see, your breakthrough is being held back by something, and that something is linked to the enemy of your soul, and that enemy of your soul is holding back that which God wants to do. It's God's will. God's laying it in your heart. He's giving you the vision and the dream of his purpose and what he wants to do in your family, and your spiritual life, and therefore, there is this breaking, and it's a penetrating. It's an offensive thrust that penetrates past a defensive line. And let's be careful because the enemy is wooing many asleep in their faith. Many are apathetic right now. They, they maybe have gotten offended and, and they, they've begun to compromise or rationalize things in their life And what I know to be true is that God wants to penetrate that. He wants to break that and enable you to receive what he has for you in your faith. He wants your faith to grow stronger. Do you believe it with me? He wants you to develop a stronger faith. There's too many believers that have a shallow faith today, and God wants the roots of your faith to penetrate deep, deep, deep down so that you become that tree, that oak of righteousness that will bear fruit, much fruit, fruit that will remain. Somebody agree with me in the spirit. A second definition that we gave you was not only is it an offensive thrust that penetrates and carries beyond, beyond or, or past beyond a defensive line, but secondly, we said that it is an, it is an act or an instance of breaking through a barrier. Some of our faith goals that we've got that we're writing down, there is a barrier to that. And like breaking of a glass, breaking of, 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 of uh, lifting up of a lid, uh, that, that which God wants to do is going to happen. And I believe as we're understanding what are the keys to breakthrough, it is something that God will do instantly. God will bring it. God is putting it in motion and is going to take place. And there is where we stand, and there is where we're believing, and there is where we're declaring, God, you are the Lord of the breakthrough. Will you say it with me? You are the Lord of the breakthrough. So, Father, as we turn to you, we open up your word, and as we open up your scriptures today, 
I pray for revelation. I pray, God, that you'll show us, you'll teach us, you'll help us to understand how do we contend for our breakthrough and what is necessary, Father, so that we can see it come. There are enemies of the breakthrough. There are, there are barriers to the breakthrough. There is a warfare that's taking place. And Father, you're asking us, the body of Christ, believers at Christian Life Center, to penetrate past that defensive line, that barrier, and see, Father, the glory of your name being revealed. We look to you today through your word. Give us eyes of revelation. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Take your Bibles and click with me over to Joshua chapter 7. Today we're going to look at the nation of Israel. We started a few weeks ago in the book of Joshua, focusing on Joshua himself. Even though Joshua will be a part of this story, we really want to focus on the nation of Israel. We want to look at what hindered them from penetrating in this battle that they were going to fight, penetrating the enemy, and therefore there was that which was keeping them from receiving the breakthrough. So in Joshua chapter 7, we are going to read about what God uh, had to teach Israel. There's some reasons that was hindering them and that brought defeat for them. And it's going to show us that God wants to bring breakthrough, but there is something that's got to rise up in us. And there are some principles that I believe that we can take hold of today that become keys to contending for the breakthrough. So look with me in Joshua 7 and verse 1. The Israelites, now they've won They've won. I, I talked a few weeks ago. Let me pause and say, Joshua is about to take them across the Jordan River. They're going to go and they're going to have the, the great Jericho uh, uh, victory where the walls of Jericho came down. And man, it's a, it's a great story. And they have this big victory. Forty years they've been in the desert. They've been wandering around. Faith. Uh, a lack of faith and doubt and fear kept them from the promised land. But now a new generation has risen up that has faith. They, they are believing and they're, they're trusting for what God is going to do. And so they go over and they win this battle against Jericho. Immediately following that is this passage. Verse uh, 1 again in chapter 7. The Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of uh, 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 Carmi, the son of Zermi, the son of Zerah, and uh, from the tribe of Judah, took some of these devoted sacred items. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sends men from Jericho to this little small village of Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, uh, to the east of Bethel, and he told them, go up and spy out the region. Go look and see. So the men went and they spied it out. They spied out I and they, they come back and they return to Joshua and they say, not all the people have to go from the Israelites against this uh, small village of Ai. No, no, just send two or 3,000 men to take it. And do not worry, uh, or do not uh, weary all the people for only a few men are over there. So Joshua sends about 3,000, and they go up. But when they got there, they were routed out by the men of Ai. They were beat and killed about 36 of the Israelites even. 
And they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. And at this, the hearts of the Israelites melted. They became fearful. They doubted. They were afraid. They were humiliated and became like water. Here, they should have easily conquered this little city. They've just won this big, great battle. They, 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 they just have conquered the mighty Jericho. And now they're coming against this little insignificant city. But why did they fail? Why was Israel defeated? When we look into the story, I see that these are the same things that cause you and I to fail. Those same things are things that are still hindering the body of Christ, the congregation, the people of God, even today. Imagine with me this story. It's late at night, and here in the, in the, in the cool of the evening, as they have just won the battle against Jericho. The walls have come down and, 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 and maybe there's rock and rumble and, and, and the stones are around and everybody's asleep except for one man. This gentleman gets up and, and he begins to sneak out of his tent and he looks around and nobody is looking and, and so he, he wanders through and he starts stepping over the rubble and he comes over Jericho's wall and into Jericho. As he gets there and he's looking around, he sees something that's glistering and it's, it's shining. And he goes over and he finds a, a small bag of silver coins. He picks it up. It's, he's a soldier. It's more than he's ever had in his life. And he reaches his hand down and he can just feel the coins running through his hands and, and something just rose up and he thought, nobody sees me. And he puts it in his pocket. He begins to walk, and, and as he walks, he sees something, and, and there it's shiny as well, but this looks like gold, and he reaches down, and we're told that he finds a bar of gold. Well, now he's already taken the silver, and he says, who would know? And he puts the gold bar as well into his maybe pocket, and as he's maybe on his way back, he finds laying over in the dust and the rubble, he finds this beautiful garment of clothing. Now, for you and I, clothing doesn't mean much to us today. We've got more clothes than we will ever wear in three years. But then they didn't have hardly any garments or clothing. So he finds this beautiful garment and he picks it up and he kind of shakes it a little bit and he, he, he shakes off the dust and it's a beautiful garment from Jericho. Well, now he takes that, he puts his gold bar and he takes out the bag of silver coins and he wraps it up and I can see him as he's wandering back to his camp making sure nobody sees him he gets back into his camp and he gets down and he's digging and now his wife maybe awakens maybe his sons and his daughter daddy what are you doing shh, shh. don't wake up anybody God has shown favor to us shh. and he digs a hole and he buries the garment. He lays down and he's thinking, I did it. Nobody has seen me. The problem is God saw. 
God Almighty saw, and God had given a command. Now, church, hear me, because we do the same. And he had hid it in his house. He had hid it in his tent. He had hid it into his, in his own uh, 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 dwelling place. And as he did, he fell asleep, thinking nobody had seen. But God has saw. Well, pastor, doesn't, the, the, doesn't the, the victories of war and the trophies of war and the spoils of roar go to the victor? Often, yes, but in this case, God said no. And when God says no, it is a no. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, this is what God said. Go back one chapter. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. Or, see, sometimes your breakthrough is linked to your obedience. Let me, let me change a word. Your breakthrough, el- delete the sometimes. Your breakthrough is linked to your obedience. For some of you, you can write on your faith goals card. You can believe, you can even be fasting But if you don't determine that you're going to walk in obedience and contend for the breakthrough, then the reality is it cannot come. Why? Here, he says, look again, verse 18. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring You will bring trouble, not only into your house or your home or your family, but into the congregation, into the camp of Israel. For everything made of what? Silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord. And they they must be brought into his treasury. And by the way, the Lord's command when it comes to the treasury of silver and gold and possessions has never changed. There is a part that is consecrated unto the Lord that God says, bring it to me and give it to me. And we know that as the tithe. But here we see that Achan had ignored that and and Achan had taken that which had belonged to the Lord and he took what he desired and what he wanted and for so many of us, many times, we do the very same thing and it hinders the breakthrough that God has. So today I wanna give you three, I think, key principles, principles that become keys to contending for the breakthrough. If you wanna see breakthrough, From this story, I'm going to unpack it. If we want to see breakthrough, breakthrough comes to those who keep their commitments. Say, keep their commitments. When you think about what caused the defeat here, the reality is many are making commitments. They they know what the Lord's command is. They know what God has said. They listen to the word. They they amen the word. They they maybe uh, uh, are, are, are one that has even memorized the word of God. But the reality is they don't keep their commitments and their covenants to God. You see, your words are not idle words. Your prayers that you pray are not idle prayers. When you make prayers and covenants and commitments to God, when you say amen to something, you're saying, let it be in my life, Lord. Let it be. And when you do that, sorry, that was not COVID. 
<laughs> you don't believe me, but it wasn't COVID. <clears throat> when we make these covenants and commitments to the Lord, we can rationalize and justify, but the Lord hears those commitments. There was two sins that take place in this passage. There was Israel's sin, but then there was Achan's sin. We've heard about Achan's sin, but Israel had sinned as well. Israel's sin links to this point of keeping our commitments. Pastor, what was Israel's sin? Israel's sin was that they became careless. Carelessness leads to apathy, and carelessness will hinder us. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, let's remind ourselves, they've had this big victory. They, they've won this battle against Jericho. They go and they spy out this little teeny village called Ai that they should have, they should have easily won this battle. And here the men come back and, oh, it'll be easy. We don't have to go as hard at this one. You look at it and you see there's no prayer, there's no fasting like there was before they crossed over the Jordan to go into Jericho. There was no time of consecration and dedication. There was no spiritual plan of what they were going to do. Are you getting this this morning? See, you and I, sometimes we don't press like we should press. We sit back and we, we just watch. We become a, a, a participant and we're no longer somebody that's actively involved like we should. Should I say, instead of a participant, we really even become just a spectator. And we're there and, and, and here, we don't have to send as many. Just send a, a handful, a, a small group. It's an insignificant city. We can easily win it. And here you see what begins to rise up and it's a part of carelessness and it's the sin of Israel and you and I are in danger of it as well quite often is all of a sudden pride begins to rise up into our hearts. Do you know that there is spiritual pride? When you look into the scripture, you see the Pharisees and the Sadducees were spiritually proud and Jesus attacked it time and time and time again. Why was Jesus disliked by the religious institution of the day? Is because he was attacking a spirit, and that spirit is a spirit that's called pride. And that pride in the church is those that are in the church. And therefore, we put up a wall, and we get resistant, and we've done it. We've seen it. We've been there. We've done this before, Pastor. And there is a pride that begins to rise up, and if we're not careful, it leads to carelessness in our life. What is pride? Well, we know it's a high esteem, right? There's a high opinion. We look at achievements. We look at possessions. We look at what we've done, what we know, where we've been. And all of a sudden, pride begins to rise up. By the way, if there's a spirit that CLC attacks a lot because of encounter and school of discipleship and the vision of this church, it's the spirit of pride, because pride doesn't have any room in the work of God, in the kingdom of God, for the glory of God. Pride must be crucified at the altars of Christ so that Christ can be glorified. That we don't exalt ourselves in our accomplishment, in our ways, but we're exalting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can I just get an agreement today? And so pride rose up. But secondly, connected to that pride was a presumption that God was with them. 
because they had seen the breakthrough, because they had won in Jericho, there was a presumption that God was going to be with them in their next battle. And the presumption for you and I is just because we've done fasting before, just because we've prayed before, because we've been to nights ablaze before, and we can just whatever the before was. I used to do this in my old church. I did this when I was growing up. I was a preacher's kid. I was a deacon's kid. I used to do this, and I used to do that, and I used to do this. All of a sudden, we find ourselves presuming that that means God is still with me today. And what I'm telling you guys is there's a daily pursuit and there's a press and there's a determination that says, God, I want to be with you and I want a fresh touch from you and I need you, God. I need a fresh anointing, a new anointing for a new day. Yesterday's manna is not enough. I need a new revelation. I need a new word from you. If I'm asking you, what is God saying to you? Don't tell me what he said to you last year. What is he saying to you now? What's the fresh word that you're getting from your devotions today? Not last year, but today. If you want to see if somebody's in the word, ask them, what was your devotions about yesterday? What did God say to you yesterday? They can't pull back last month's devotion. You got to pull out today's devotion and said, I read about the woman that pressed through to touch the hem of his garment. And there was power that was released to her. And what God said to me in application is if I press through, I can touch the hem of his garment. And when I do, there's power in revelation that'll be released to me. Man, when I'm not in the word, I begin to see it. When I'm, when I'm not reading and I'm not in the word and, and we all battle, I battle, you battle, we battle to stay consistent in the word. But when we are, there is revelation that comes. Can I get an agreement today? And then we saw that their carelessness led to prayerlessness. And we as the body of Christ, so often find ourselves going, 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 and we've got to learn and continue to remind ourselves that we've got to stop and we've got to pray and we've got to seek his face in times of trouble when revelation is needed, when wisdom and discernment is needed, that we need a fresh revelation from God, fresh manna, fresh words that come from heaven that guide us today. So my question before I move to the sin of Achan is where are we today? Are we coasting in our spiritual lives? Have we gotten complacent? Have we gotten careless? Have we become like the Israelites, maybe because of COVID, maybe because we got out of rhythms and routines? Have we stopped? Have we begun to presume, oh, I've done it before, and now we begin to just go along with the flow, and that's good for them, but not for me? That's why I challenge you to take this Sunday and let it be a reset and say, God, these next seven days, it's a reset for me. Maybe I haven't taken it serious. Maybe I couldn't do it for whatever reason the last 14 days. Maybe I just forgot. But God, today is a reset. Why? Because there's answers in heaven. And when you get into the presence of God in heaven, there are, there are revelations and, 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 and mysteries of heaven that's going to be released for you and I. So we stop praying, we stop seeking, we stop repenting, we stop engaging in the word, we stop serving. And when those things happen, defeat comes our way. A little side note, let me say that often there is great defeat after great victories. 
It's not a point of the sermon, but here they had just won a great spiritual battle in Jericho, and then there comes this huge defeat. The reason is because of this carelessness, the pride, the presumption, the prayerlessness. God's with us, and we get going, and the enemy's there to work, and he's the enemy of our soul, and he's going to try to kill, steal, and destroy the work of God, the plan of God, your faith, the ministry, the anointing that God has for you. He's going to try to get you distracted and detoured. He's going to try to get you disqualified. He's going to try to get you so discouraged that you're going to give up, but when you're pressing in, and you're moving with God, and you don't let carelessness get a hold of your heart there's a fresh empowerment of the holy spirit that comes every day so the first key and principle i give you today is that breakthrough comes to those who keep their commitments but the second is now going to focus on aiken the second is that breakthrough follows those and i say this statement all the time discipline their desires God gives us desires. Those desires are not bad, but it's when they become undisciplined. God gives us boundaries in his word for every desire that you and I have. And if we will live within the boundaries and the confines of God's ways and God's word, it will bring great joy and fulfillment into our lives. But when we don't discipline our desires, our desires take control and they lead us away from the very thing that God would have. Over in the New Testament, before I look at Achan, The New Testament writers help us to understand that the desires of our life really fit in to three different categories. Can you tell me what they are? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and I just dealt with the other one, the pride of life. That they can fit into these three categories. And and yes, they may have many different uh, 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 sub-topics or things that'll come out of these categories, but they can be fit into these three. Well, the sin of Achan was a sin of covetedness. Now, this is a sin that we don't talk about much. In fact, Pastor Kevin, I was thinking about it the other day. Nobody's ever come and confessed to me the sin of covetedness. They never said, Pastor, pray with me. I'm coveting. (laughs) But yet, it's a sin that's deep. Nobody laughed because it's true. (laughs) But it's a sin that gets deep, deep, deep down into the spirit. It's a sin that very few can see until it starts manifesting itself. But Achan's sin was a sin of coveting, covetedness. It is wanting something and desiring something, wanting more. Why? Because you're not satisfied, so you want more, and especially that which doesn't belong to you. Here we see Achan, he's He's going into the camp. There's nothing wrong with silver. There's nothing wrong with gold. There's nothing wrong with fine garments, the Babylonian garments, except for it belonged to God Almighty, and he took what was God's, and he brought it into his own house. He coveted it. For many believers, they don't recognize they're good with their soul, but their life does not have the blessings of God because they've taken what is the Lord's. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, 80% of Christians do not tithe. I haven't tracked it in our church. I sure hope it's better than that. But 80% of believers do not tithe. 
Oh, yes, it's the sin of Achan. You take what is his and you keep it in your own tent. And I know you may not like it, but my mandate is not to you, it's to him. And I just have to share what it shows us. So let's look again. Joshua chapter 7. Go down to verse 19. This way I'll be safe. (laughs) Joshua realizes something's wrong. Joshua's praying. And as he's praying, God says, why are you praying? Get up. There's sin in the congregation. And it needs to be dealt with. So Joshua begins to call the tribes before him. And now we're going to get to the tribe of Achan. So Joshua calls him and he says to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give him praise. Tell me what you have done and do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. And this is what I have done. By the way, we're going to take a moment and look at this, but look at the progression of sin here. When I saw the plunder, when I saw it in the plunder, I I saw a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. And I coveted them and I took them. And they are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath it. The Bible in the New Testament tells us that the sin of coveting is what's called a love of the world, a love of the things of the world. First John 2, 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings, the desires the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does doesn't come from the Father, but from the world. And the world's values come from the enemy of our soul, Satan himself. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God will live forever. You see, our purpose as a church is to help you discover the will of Lord. But do do you notice here, it doesn't say, it doesn't say to you that the love of the Father is not in you because you love the world. It's the opposite. When you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And therefore, it comes back to the point And that is when we learn to discipline these desires and we don't feed those desires and we don't just act on the desires, especially when they're evil desires or they take us outside the will of God, but we pursue God and God's way and God's will. When we pursue here, as it says, the will of God and the ways of God to do what God desires for us to do, then the love of the Father is in us powerful thought for you and I as we look at it. Look back at this scripture in Joshua and look at the progression of sin. Look in his confession. He says, look on the screen. He says, I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon. I saw it. 
He saw something that he wasn't supposed to see. He wasn't even supposed to be there. And many times, these desires within us that lead us to sin comes because we begin to see and desire and want and covet something that we shouldn't even maybe be looking at in the first place or desiring. And therefore, something gets into our heart and it begins to grow. And the second progression is it turns into something that we begin not only to see it, the seeing the, uh, uh, might, might spark the temptation, but that is not the sin. It's when we look and we see and we don't turn away or discipline the desire and we begin to covet it and want it and we begin to bring it into our heart and it begins to take root in our hearts. You see, the enemy is going to tempt you and me. He's going to come at us, and that temptation is to get us to sin and turn away from God. But when we learn to discipline our desires, what are we doing? We're contending for breakthrough. We're contending for what God is going to do. In that, when, in that moment, we're winning a battle, and the battle is always a battle for our heart. Can I hear an amen in the house? You see, Achan was a thief in his heart before he became a thief. You see, he wasn't a thief just because he stole. No, there was something within his heart that led him, and as he went, he saw, and the desire to take took, and that's the third progression of sin, is we see it, we begin to covet it, desire it, want it, and as we do, then we act upon it. I saw, I coveted, and I took. He probably never had the thought of what would happen when he gets back to the tent. He didn't think about his family. He didn't think about the congregation of Israel. He didn't think about at that moment what did God say and what God had wanted and, and what God told him not to do. And can you find yourself in this story? Because I find myself when I don't discipline my desires and the enemy begins to tempt me, I begin to desire it and want it. And then in that desire, I upon it. And when I act upon it, I have sinned and broken the heart of God. So the battle is always a battle in the heart. So here we see Achan. And as Achan is headed into the, 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 the dirt of his tent, he brings it into his home, but he confesses it. And as he confesses it, it's going to bring a consequence because God was very, very serious in what he told him. You've probably been looking at me with this airplane up here on the stage. And uh, airplanes are meant to fly. They're meant to soar. They're, they're meant to take off. And we all know that they have wings, and, and these wings help them to glide and to fly. And, 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 and in reality, that's how God has created all of us in our spiritual lives. Breakthrough is a, just a word that says we're soaring with God. We're living with the peace of God. We're walking in the ways of God. We're anointed by God. And we're soaring through our spiritual life. See, your life was never meant to be up and down, up and down. Your life was meant just to soar with the Lord. And when you contend for the breakthrough and you realize that it's easy to fall in to carelessness and it's easy to covet, it's easy to allow presumption and pride and prayerlessness to rise up into our heart. When you realize that, you begin to realize what helps you to soar. But when you're not, what happens is every time you give in to sin, you rip off a part of how God designed you. 
God has divinely designed you in a way to fulfill his purpose and his wills. But when you don't discipline your desires and you see something and you begin to covet it so much that now you're sacrificing the things of God to get it. Maybe you're working harder. Maybe you're skipping. You're, you're skipping times and devotion. You're taking extra shifts. You're doing so much. And the reason is, is you're coveting more and more. Or maybe you're falling into sexual sins. Maybe there's other addictions that you're falling into. Maybe the enemy's coming and there's lust in your heart. Or maybe there's jealousy in your heart. Whatever it may be, the way God designed you is no longer the way it is. Where you were supposed to soar, you're self-destructing. And before you know it, you'll crash. The reality is God wants you and I to break through. It's not just a cool statement. It's not just great merchandise or shirts. But it's more than that. It's a spiritual principle that says you've got to contend. Contend for your breakthrough because there is a breakthrough. And it's living in the peace of God in your life. Come on, give him glory. But sin causes us to dis uh, just uh, self-destruct and, and we don't even recognize what's happening. And before we know it, every time we give in to those desires and those sin, before we know it, we're separated and we're, <laughs> we're about to crash. Which leads me then to the third part of our story in Joshua chapter seven, verse seven. And it shows us that breakthrough requires continual confession. In fact, Paul says to examine yourselves daily. Look here, Joshua 7, verse 7. Joshua cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if we're going to be, uh, if we're going to be let, uh, if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? If only we had, con if only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about us, they will surround us and wipe and, and will wipe our names off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. See, breakthrough comes to those who keep their commitments, their covenants. Then they have stolen some of the things that I have commanded that must be set apart for me, and they have not only stolen, uh, stolen them, but they have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart as Israel has been set apart for destruction and I will remain with them. I will not remain with them any longer unless you destroy the things among them that were set apart for destruction. Get up, he says to Joshua. Command the people to purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Hidden among you, O Israel, are the things set apart for the Lord. You will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. So the Lord showing us that we've got to be in continual repentance. 
a, a purifying and a, and a cleansing. The reason is, is because sin will strip us and, in, and, and will prohibit and hinder us from walking in breakthrough. If you allow sin to remain in your heart and you don't repent and you don't confess daily coming and examining the Lord, what you will do is quench the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. If we don't confess and put ourselves in a position where we can hear the Lord, then the reality is that sin will block the voice of God and we cannot hear him the way he wants us to hear him and be able to walk in his ways. If we allow sin to remain in our heart, then the word of God becomes unfruitful in our lives and it cannot take root and grow and be what God wants it to be and it will rob the joy and the peace that God has for you and I. So what's the answer? It's confession. It's repentance. When I realize that my desires, my desires have led me into sin. The desire was birthed with a temptation from the enemy. Temptation is not from God. It's from the enemy to get us to sin against God. But I haven't disciplined my desire, so I give in to that, to that temptation. And now, because of it, I stand in sin before the Lord. God is a holy God, and because he's a holy God, sin cannot come into his presence, and therefore, if I don't repent, it will strip me and block me from walking in breakthrough. But the moment I realize I've sinned, the moment I realize I said it, I thought it, I did it, I acted upon it, I acted on my desires, and I know God, I like Achan, I have sinned against you, oh God, and I cry out in confession. The moment I repent of my sin and I turn back to God, God releases grace in my life. For some, they have a bad theology. For some, their theology is that in their sin, they can confess their sin, but they don't have to leave their sin, and they stay in their sin thinking they're in the grace of God. Romans 6, 1, Paul says that's not how it works. You can't live in the sin and say, God will forgive me, God forgive me, and continue in sin thinking you're walking in the grace of God. God's grace is released in repentance, and repentance means you turn from the sin, you leave the sin behind, and you go back to that place that God desires you to be. Sin will block you. Sin will strip you of what you already have. It'll strip you of your anointing. It'll strip you of your gifts, your, your, your ministry. It'll, it'll strip your family away. It has consequences. For Joshua, he never realized the consequence that would come to his own home. You see, he brought that sin into his house. And it brought consequences. Here we see in Joshua, and there's, there's so much that we can, we can look at here, but know that when you walk in God and you confess your sin, you're under the blood of Christ. No matter what your parents has done, it can be broken when you surrender your life to Christ. Can I hear an Amen. But there are consequences if there's not a repentance that comes to that house. Verse 24, Joshua, together with all of Israel, took, it, uh, took, a, uh, took Achan, took the silver, the gold, the, the, the robe, and his sons and his daughters, his cattle, his donkeys, look at being stripped away, his sheep, his livelihood, took it all from the tent and all that was with him into the valley of Accor. And Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? 
The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And the Israelites stoned him. And after he had been stoned, and uh, after he had been stoned, they stoned the rest of them and burned them. God takes sin very serious. It'll strip us. I don't have time to preach. A time has slipped away, but I encourage you. Protect your home. Fight for your home. Purify your home. Church, we're in a spiritual battle. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not a, a race battle. It's, it, it's not even a, a governmental battle from nation to nation to nation. It's a battle against the enemy of our soul. And yes, it overflows into other things like race and countries rising up to war against one another and evil and the wickedness of man. But at the core of all of that is a spiritual battle and we've got to recognize it. And the greatest battle that the enemy is waging is a battle for your home. Therefore, don't have time to preach, but let me tell you, determine that you're going to purify your home, that you're going to determine that you're going to dedicate everything to the Lord in your home. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That you'll take a spiritual inventory of your, of, of your home. You'll make sure that God is Lord in your home. That there's no idols. There, there's nothing that could be perceived as a foreign God by some kind of idol. That there's no foreign uh, uh, or false religion that's being practiced within the home. There's no occult practices within the home. It could be good luck charms to astrology, to horoscopes, to tarot cards, crystals, voodoo dolls, pagan symbols, whatever it may be, purify the home. Cleanse your home of ungodly objects. Cleanse it of that that's streaming in by way of television and media. Cleanse your home. and Fill your home with the glory of God, with prayer and worship. Why? Because if you don't, sin's going to separate you in your house from God. Dig it up. Get it out. Confess it. Bring it to the Lord. And when you do, God will give you peace. Hebrews 3.12, I finish with this. See to it, brothers. He's talking to believers. That none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart. Make sure that you're not standing off. Make sure that you're not careless. Make sure that there's no religious pride that's risen up. Make sure that God, I'm not going to be presumptuous. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow prayerlessness to take over my life. I'm not going to become careless. God, I'm going to make sure I discipline my desires. I'm going to examine myself. And church, let me tell you, this is a great week to just renew that commitment, to renew the vow, to make new covenants to God and say, God, I want to align my heart with you. I don't want to reject you. I don't want to ignore you. I don't want to walk my own way. But God, I want to honor you. So he says, make sure, see to it. Watch out, brothers. Take, take watch. Awaken and make sure that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. Why? Because it'll turn you away from the living God. Uncover it today. 
get into your tent this week and dig it up. I don't know what it is we've buried, but let's be honest. There's some things that have probably been buried. Let's dig it up. Let's open doors. Let's allow God to begin to cleanse and to purify. And let's begin to say, God, we're going to keep our commitments to you. And God, as I align, give me strength to discipline desires. Because God, I want to walk in your way. And daily, let me continue to live a life of confession. Because when you do, let me tell you what God begins to do. As God begins to take that life that's been broken, where you were not able to soar the way you should have soared. And when God begins to do a new work, God begins to take that which was old and broken, and he begins to restore it with what is new and what is supposed to be. And that is he makes you, he makes you what he wants you to be so that you can soar like you're supposed to soar. Can we give him praise in the house today? God wants to do that in you and I today. If this ministry is making an impact in your life, why not help us make an impact on the lives of others by partnering with us today? You can give through our CLC app or at clcftl.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe for more inspiring messages like this. Now go and be messengers of hope.